Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Scripture really just working our way down through the text and letting the Bible say what it says, where it says what it does. And uh, we began reading in verse number one. Uh, when we began this study, we worked uh, our way down through verse number nine uh, in the first message. And uh, we began to look at the scene and where we picked up this morning in verse number nine kind of gives us a synopsis of the scene that we find here. Uh, Paul is a prisoner. Paul is on his way to appeal before Rome. He has just met with King Agrippa. King Agrippa has told him, if you did not ask us for an appeal to Caesar, we would have let you go. We would have released you. But when you made that, when you requested that appeal to Caesar, now we're going to send you to Caesar to make your appeal. So Paul, following the direction of the Spirit of God, having been arrested for something uh, that was was something that was absolutely absolutely falls, been in prison for nothing more than uh, serving the Lord Jesus. He is on this prison ship, and the ones that are keeping him captive are making decisions, and they make the, 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 the those who control the ship and those that are with him make a very bad decision in verse number 11. The Bible says that Paul, in verse number 1, saw the dangerous storm that was arising, Sailing was dangerous, verse number 9. So Paul gave them this admonition. He gave them uh, this firm reprimand, this warning. In verse number 10 where he said unto them, Sir, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. And then verse 11 tells us about the fatal folly that they made. Verse number 11 says, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master... And the owner of the ship, more than those things which were spoken by Paul, and verse number uh, verse number thirteen says at the end of the verse, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. You say, what would cause so? What would cause these people to have heard such a clear warning? to have heard such a clear declaration of truth to them and still make the decision to not listen. I'd say that would be a good question, but maybe this might be a better question. Why is it that you and I do the same thing every day? Why is it that you and I do the same thing? Every church service we come in, or or every time we read the Bible, and there's many times, I don't want to say every time, that's a a misnomer, but many times we will read the Word of God, and God gives us a warning, and we choose not to listen. The preacher will preach from a pulpit, no matter if it's me or someone else you hear, and they give you God's Word, and they tell you the truth, and they lay it out before you, and they tell it plain, and you know you need to do what they're saying, not because they say it, but because God has spoken it into your life, and the Spirit of God has directed it to you, and laid it right there in your lap, and still, how many times from the preacher all around the room, have we said, no, I'm going to go my own direction. What they did here in verse number 11 
was they chose to go on a voluntary voyage out of the will of God. God had used Paul to declare to them what his will was and they went on this voyage voluntarily. They made the choice. All of the consequences to follow was because they, on purpose, knowing the warning, knowing what was going to take place, made the decision. I'm going to choose my way over God's way. And so we've been looking at the subject, a voyage that's voluntary. About walking out of the will of God and what can you expect if God sends you His Word, He tells you what His will is, He tells you what His plan is, and you still choose to go your own way of your own voluntary will. Number one, we saw that it was a deceptive voyage. There's deception involved. When you walk out of the will of God, you're doing it because whether you've been deceived by someone or really, uh, you know, many times we even deceive our own selves into thinking, it'll be okay. You know, I know God is saying this, but uh, everything else says it's going the right direction. That's what happened in our text. Many times in our lives, we'll say, well, everything, we, well we, we're not going through a major storm right now. Everything seems to be good. I've heard this one before. I know God wants me to do that, but it seems like God is blessing the way I'm currently living, so I'm going to keep going this way. And what they don't realize is, is their blessings and them following God are not as connected as they think. You can be blessed and be out of the will of God. You can have riches and be out of the will of God. You, you can have the abundance of life, the joys of life. Everything can be going good. You can be on a mountaintop spirit. You can be on a mountaintop in life, physically it seems, but your heart be nowhere close to God. The Bible says here that it was deception that caused these men to go on this voluntary voyage out of the clear, uh, precise, pr uh, proclaimed the will of God for their life. The Bible says, verse number 11, that they believed the Master... And the owner of the ship, more than the things that were spoken by Paul. Why would they do that? And we've dealt with this before, but it's because everything they were getting. Notice what the Bible says there in verse number 13. The Bible says that, that yes, verse number 9 says it was dangerous. But the Bible says that it was in verse number 12 that, they, that there was an advisement. Of those that would have been in control of the ship, that mariner, that sailor, he was the one that was the master, the controller of the ship. And so him and the owner of the ship, they were the ones that said, I'm giving my advice that we go on. And the many on the ship said, well, this is what they do for a living. They should know better than I do. They gave that advice. The Bible said that he advised them to depart thence. Verse number 12. Uh, but then verse number 13 says, and when... The south wind blew, notice the word, softly. Not only did they have advice, but now it seemed like the storm was over. Now it seemed like everything was starting to settle down. And so they made a choice to go against what the preacher said, go against what God had delivered to them through Paul. And they did that because they looked at the things around them and they saw that sight and said, I'm going to trust what I see and what I feel more than what God has already declared. And can I remind you, the Bible still says that for the child of God that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is believing God. You ought to believe God over what you see, beyond what you see, because what God says and what God knows is more certain than what you think you know or think you see. 
So it's a deceptive voyage. Then uh, we saw several weeks ago that it was a dangerous voyage. Verse number 9 said that sailing was now dangerous. And we notice the danger that comes from all walking out of the will of God. Last week we saw that it was a, or last time we were in this text, verse 10, we saw that not only was it a deceptive voyage and a dangerous voyage, but we saw that it was a damaging voyage in verse number 10. The Bible said, and he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage, the one that you're about to go on, will be with her. And notice the phrase, and much damage. By, by the way, if you walk out of the will of God, don't be surprised where pieces of your life start to be damaged. They were going to lose what they had. That is indicative of the, la the lading and ship. But they were also going to lose who they were their lives. I've talked to people many times over and over again that aren't where God wants for them to be and they've told me, they say, preacher I don't even recognize who I am anymore. There's going to be some damage. You may be able to keep your sin, but you will not be able to keep everything as it is. We submitted the question last time we looked at that, we submitted the question what are you willing to get rid of? What are you willing to lose in order to keep your sin? There's, you're not going to be able to keep both. God declares that here in these verses. Today I want us to look primarily at verse number 15 and verse number 17. Not only is it a deceptive voyage and a dangerous voyage and a damaging voyage, but I want us to look at this. It is a driven voyage. Notice what the Bible says in verse 15. It's echoed in verse number 17. Verse 15 says, And when... Uh, the ship was caught. Verse 14 talks about its impetuous wind called Eurocladon. Storm so big they had to name it. Verse 15 says, And when the ship was caught, the storm had caught them. They were hemmed up where they were. Uh, they, they were stuck where they were when they were caught in the middle of that great big storm. The Bible says, And could not bear up into the wind Notice the phrase in verse 15, we let her drive. Her, that, that feminine pronoun, uh, which seems to, in many ways in our world today seems to be a cuss word, but the Bible still uses correct pronouns, amen? The Bible says here that feminine pronoun, her, is being directed at the ship. They let the ship drive. The voyage that they went on came to the place where they in their efforts were stuck. They in their efforts were caught. And they could not do anything else. The Bible said that they could not bear up into the wind. And can I tell you what I'm seeing in churches all over America, everywhere I go, churches we see and churches I hear tell of, if we have people in our churches and our good Bible-believing Baptist churches, amen. I'm sure in other denominations, but I'm a Baptist. That's what I know, amen. That's what I see in our good Bible-believing Baptist churches. We are finding people that are spending the majority of their Christian lives trying to bear up into a wind that they never should have encountered to start with. This contrary wind was in a place where they would have never gotten to had they never loosed from Crete. And sailed on that voyage out of the will of God. Brother Lewis, these men, Paul and these men should have never realized what Eurocladon looked like. What Eurocladon felt like. The Bible said that they could not bear up into the wind. 
They were right smack dab in the middle of the biggest storm of their life. A storm that they never should have known. They never should have went to. They should have lived. If they would have just listened to God to start with, they would never have been caught in the middle of a dangerous storm. I don't think that some of the storms that we go through are God's fault. I don't think that the storms that we go through many times are the devil's fault. I think that a lot of times the storms that we go through, the blame ought to be put into the one that we look at in the mirror every morning. Gentlemen, that man that you shave in the morning, that one, that man that you may have put on that tie or buttoned up that shirt this morning or whatever, that man that you looked at as you got ready this morning, he is to blame for the majority of your storms. Ladies, that, that, that lady that you sat there and combed that hair this morning and got ready to put on that makeup, She's to blame for the majority of your storms. I believe a lot of the things that we go through are self-inflicted. And by the way, this Eurachlodon, again, was a place that if all they would have done is to listen to the God that knew better than them. The one that saw Eurachlodon when they didn't see Eurachlodon. When they were looking at the soft winds blowing softly and what they saw seemed everything to be calmed down. The God that knew there was a Eurachlodon on the other side of the soft winds, if they would have trusted in Him and His foreknowledge and His sovereignty and Him being a God that is omniscient and knows everything and a God that's omnipresent everywhere all the time, if they would have trusted in God... The one that gave Paul the message. They never would have been in this storm. You see in the text. The things that we've been looking at. Is a progression. When you make that decision. You may have wrong information. Your thoughts may be in the wrong place. You may make your decision based on ideas you have and not on God's Word. And I really think that's one of the reasons why so many people in our churches seem to be going through the storms that they're going through is because they don't really have... They, and I dealt with this with the teens this morning. So many Christians don't study the Bibles the way they need to. I've I, I taught you, I teach them that prayer is how we speak to God and the Bible is how God speaks to us. He's our Father. We have conversation with Him. When we speak to Him, it's prayer through prayer. And when He responds back to us, it's through His Word. I've taught y'all to take your Bibles in your prayer closet. Take God's Word let Him speak to you. If you're going to have conversation with Him, we don't need to do all the talking. Let Him talk to us sometimes. Amen. So many Christians don't have, have much knowledge of the Word of God that when it comes time to make a decision. They, they go with what they know naturally, what they feel, what they understand in a humanistic mind, what society has put in and the knowledge that the world has put in. Instead of having enough of the Word of God in you to make the right decision, in a moment where deception is sent your way. It may start with deception. But you make the choice to walk away from God and the Word of God and God's plan and the, the warning that God gives. You will begin with that deception. It will later turn into you recognizing the danger. Man, I messed up. Then you will begin to see some damages to your life. Things that you're losing. You may lose joy. You may lose your testimony. If you go far enough in seeing those that once knew you as the Christian on the job, you're not living for God the way that you used to. You may lose that good testimony. 
You may lose family, friends. You may lose many things depending on your sin, depending on how the, 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 the depravity involved with that choice. But then the next logical step is what the Bible says here in verse 15. The Bible says we let her drive. Notice verse 17, and when, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand straight sail and so were driven. The word drive in verse 15, the word driven in verse 17. What do you think of when you think about that phrase, we let her drive? I've heard that this is comical, but and none of you ladies don't get mad at me, but I've heard a lot of preachers say that I had a preacher friend of mine, mention, I mentioned to him that I was preaching on this text or whatever, and he said he was going to use that weed letter drive, and he was going to preach on the dangers of letting her drive. Amen. <laughs> so we use it comically because of the wording here, the phrase here. Amen. But what do you think of when you think of the word drive? Many of you think about that vehicle you stepped out of this morning. You drove, you drove here. You drive where you're going. Driving indicates that there's not only a vehicle to be driven, verse 17, but there is a driver that will drive, verse 15. You see the connotation there. The word drive indicates that there's someone in control. Every time I drive my car, my goal in being behind the steering wheel is to be as in control as I can be. Now, I'm not in complete control. Only God is in control. I can't control the way you drive when you share the road with me. You can't control the way I drive. But my goal behind the steering wheel of my car is to be as in control of my surroundings of the vehicle that I'm in as I can be. When the Bible says we let her drive. Her is indicative of the ship. That pronoun is being used of the ship. Many times we describe objects in the feminine. We will describe our car as her. We describe our nation as her. We say, uh, you know, uh, we call it Lady Liberty. We refer, we refer to it uh, with that kind of, uh, that, that kind of uh, direction. We give it a feminine pronoun. This ship, this object is given this feminine pronoun here. We let her drive. In other words, when the Bible says we, those that were in the ship, those that were in the previous verse, in the wind and uh, doing their best to bear up into the wind, what were they doing there? They were driving the ship. They were driving this boat. They were the ones in control. They were the ones trying to use their means at that time to direct the course of the ship. And earlier on in the first eight verses, we see as that sailor, he is maneuvering uh, from one place to another and sailing under Cyprus, verse number four, and going onto the Sea of Cilicia, verse five, and he is directing the ship. But here in this passage, they said, we made a choice to let her, the ship, drive. Now let me just say this this morning, and I don't think anybody here would disagree with me. I don't think this ship has a self-navigating. Amen? Right. This ship didn't even have an engine. This ship, no doubt, probably didn't even have much of a steering wheel. They were probably using sails and using the wind. So therefore, and in line with this verse, when they say we let her drive, they said we're taking our hands off. Yeah. Bible, can I say this? 
when you walk out of the will of God, when you when you go against the warnings that God gives, you ignore what is preached to you, you ignore what you read, you ignore what a faithful Christian has advised you with, you walk out of the will of God, you will come to the point to where you will experience the things that we've already looked at. But one of the one of the fatal decisions of someone out of the will of God is they get so tired, especially for someone that knows the Lord. One thing that they always try to do is try to defense of the world. What are they doing? They're bearing into the wind. The winds of the world are contrary to the Christian. We are not to live in the world. The where, where is the Christian supposed to live? As the songwriter said, we're to live above the world. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. For the child of God, we are a pilgrim here. We are a stranger here. This world does not belong to us. And everything in this world is supposed to be at enmity with the Christian. We're not supposed to identify with the world. John put it this way in 1 John 2.15. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right. The Bible says here that the winds of the world were coming against them. It was contrary to them. Uh, the Bible teaches us that. They were caught up. They were bearing into the wind. They were trying to keep uh, on somewhat of a direction when everything around them was trying to pull them in another direction. You know what they got tired of doing? They got tired of fighting the world. Let me tell you this. If you don't give yourself over to the world, you'll never get tired of fighting the world. I'm talking about in the direction of your life. You're not giving yourself to be right in the middle. There's always flesh. We will struggle with that. Amen. We will have to get let God be in control of our lives. But they were in the middle of this storm. Imagine how hard it would be to try to pull yourself out of this great storm. If you never get into it, you'll never have to struggle to get out of it. Can I tell you something I've never done? And if you do this, I'm not coming down on you. I do believe I do believe it's something. I do believe it's something you need to let God take from you. You need to let God deal with you about. I've never struggled with smoking a cigarette. I've never struggled with drinking alcohol. I've never I've never struggled with drugs. You know why? I've never puffed on a cigarette. I've never drank one drop of alcohol. I've never I've never taken a drug in my life that was much stronger than Tylenol. Amen. Amen. And you can ask my wife, I don't even like doing that if I don't have to. I've never struggled with it. Why? Because I never gave myself to it. Now, there's some of you in this building that have struggled with it. There's some of you in this building that may be struggling with some of those vices. And there's some of you in here, and again, I'm not coming down to What I'm saying is, is there's some of you in here that know that's not God's plan for you. That's not God's will for you. There's some of you that would say, if I could get rid of it, I would in a minute and walk away. But guess where you are? You're bearing into the wind. Why? Because of one decision you made. One bad decision. One moment of deception. One moment of weakness. You made a decision that now many times you probably wish you never would have made. I'm trying to help some of you from making decisions that will lead you into a place to where you're in a storm of your own choosing. And you'll be bearing into the wind the rest of your life. Let me tell you this. Very few people do 
bear into the wind for their entire life. It'll get so hard. You know what they're going to do? Let her drive. When they said we let her drive, you know what they were saying? We're taking our hands off. We're tired. We're done fighting the world, Brother Tommy. We're done fighting. We're, we're, I know God wants this for me, but it's too hard to fight my flesh. It's too hard to do what the Bible wants. It's too hard for me to live for God. I'm going to take my hands off. And whichever way the devil wants to take my life, whichever way my flesh wants to go, whatever the way this ship wants to drive, it's in the driver's seat now. Yeah. We let her, the ship, drive. Many of you this morning may be on the precipice of making a decision to give up. And instead of giving up your sin and giving up your rebellion, which is right, and letting God sit in the driver's seat, you're taking your hands off and you're giving it over to the winds of the world. It's a driven voyage. The word drive means to give over. It means to surrender. And this is what so many people are doing with their lives. All of those who make the decision to voluntarily ignore God's warning will eventually make this decision to let her drive in their life. How dangerous of a place is that? For you to no longer be in control of the direction of your life and you're letting the storm You know, I believe with all my heart a decision to let her drive is a decision to completely give up. And the fact that these the fact that these on this ship were not killed is only the grace of God. If Paul had not come to them and said that he that he had delivered all that were on the ship into Paul's hand and God's plan for Paul was for him to get to Caesar, no doubt, probably, no doubt, Paul never would have been there. If Paul would have got off somewhere, that ship would have been under. God had a plan for Paul, and they got to safety on the grace and mercy of God. When you are at the place where you're willing to give up, there's no telling what destruction is headed your way. I think that the reason why suicide is on the climb in this nation, even among Christians, and you'd be surprised how many Christians I know have taken their own life. How many preachers I know have taken their own life. You know what they did? The winds. They were trying to bear up against the winds. They said, I'm done. They gave in to it. I'm done. There's no telling what, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. And if you're not, the danger I'm preaching to the church this morning, you're at a greater danger. They're fighting against the world. You're going along with the current. For someone that is lost, you might as well be in the... Figuratively using this story, you might as well be in the waters in the midst of this tempestuous wind. At least they were in a ship. Many times ships in the Bible are indicative of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, thank God when, when you're struggling the best place, listen to this, and I'll, I'll be done in just a minute. At least they were in the ship. If you are tempted to take your hands off, to throw in the towel, to give up, to let the world do whatever it wants to do, and to stop fighting, and I know, and I know I'm being very vague this morning, but you and the Holy Ghost know how that's applying to you this morning. 
Some of you that may be on the precipice of giving up this morning, guess what? You're in a good place today. At least you're in the ship. Ships are talking. Ships are indicative in the Bible of the church. When you're at the worst part, you're at the most dangerous part of your decision making, when you're about to give up, you don't need to run away from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to run to this place where the God of heaven can get you help, where the people of God can give you help. Don't run away from the things of God. Run to the things of God. In the old ship of Zion, there's Thank God for the safety that is here. Because guess what? I don't know whether you enjoy this. I don't know whether this is the stepping on your toes. I don't know whether well, what's going on in your heart. But let me tell you this. You go out to the world, you will not hear someone tell you what's going on from the Spirit of God, what's going on in your life, and how to get it right. You may, you may get mad at me sometimes when I preach. You may not enjoy it. You may be enduring it sometimes. You may just be coming because this is where your family goes. And if that's the, if that's the case, that's okay. But let me tell you this. You, whether you like it or lump it or not, you will not hear the Word of God in the world. You will not hear messages like this that you need out of the world. They don't care for your soul. They don't care for your family. They don't care for your spiritual life. There's nothing that they're doing to keep you safe. Your ship may feel like it's going under. You may be in this ship and feel like there's no hope left. But friend, can I remind you, thank God you're in the ship. Then in the waters, thank God, there's a place of safety. Because as long as you're in the ship, there's enough protection to give you just a few moments of time to make that decision. To get the help you need. And notice this. And I'm, again, I hate preaching things like this because I'm the pastor here. But not only were they in the ship. They, they were in a place of safety. They were in that place with the preacher. I don't believe. If you've got issues with a preacher in your life. I don't think that you're right with God. And I'm not talking about a charlatan. I'm not talking about a false prophet. I've got just as many issues with Kenneth Copeland as anybody does. Amen right there. Because he's deceiving people. Somebody that tells somebody there is no burning hell or the Jehovah's Witness do, I have a problem with that. Right. Somebody that's going to love you, love your family, tell you the truth whether you like it or not. And by the way, the only time somebody tells you the truth whether you like it or not is out of a heart filled with love for you and your family. My doctor, if I were to go to the doctor tomorrow, and I would have cancer cells in my body, and they wouldn't tell me that. That man does not care for me. I would say the man hated me in order to do that. But Leon, you went to your doctor with your heart issues. Would you rather the man tell you the truth, even though it was hard to hear, or would you rather and say everything's all right, but Leon, you don't need to worry about it. You don't need no medicine. You don't need surgery. I've got the answer you need, but I know you're not going to like it. So I'm just going to tell you what you want to hear. Everything's fine. That man wouldn't have loved you. He wouldn't have cared for you. He wouldn't have cared for your health. He would have hated you. Amen. Paul gave a very difficult message because they needed it. Because it was true. Because it would help them. Because it would save their life. I'm telling you, as much as you hate to hear me preach rough the times that I do, I promise you, from, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, from the depths of my heart, your pastor's letting you know, I hate it worse than you do. 
There's many of you, I know things that I preach will fall right in your lap every time because you're doing what I'm preaching against. Why do you preach it? Because I love you. You may not take help, but it's my job to give you help. You may not get rescued, but it's my job to throw out the lifeline every time I can. Because I love you. But I promise you, just like a parent telling their kids that advice they need, things that may not be comfortable, as the pastor, I'm letting you know, me knowing what you're going through, even if I don't, preaching anything that may be received as rough, nobody wants to be liked more than the preacher does. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants someone in their own congregation they love so much to be odds with them. Amen. I want to be your friend better than you want to be my friend. But I'm obligated by God. I do not have a career, Miss Caldwell. God's given me a calling, and because I have a calling, I have to do what He's commissioned. Amen. Amen. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for you. It's not comfortable for me. But if you'll stay faithful to where you are, I'll do my best to stay faithful to where I am. And we'll get through the storms of life together. We, we, will, we will ride the waves out together. I'll give you warnings to help you. You stay faithful in the boat. You encourage me. Keep me on the path trying to help you. I'll let God help me. Let God give me the message that I need. And we will try to save each other from being on a path that we took that gets down to the point where we'll take our hands off and quit and give up. Let me ask you this this morning and I'll be done. You don't have to say anything out loud. Here's my question. Whether you like it or not, to avoid being on a driven voyage, are you willing to stay where you are? Let me ask you this. Brother Lewis, you don't have to say anything out loud. I'm using you as an example. Put your name in this. I know he won't get mad at me. That's why I'm using him. And if he does, he'll never let me know. He's too quiet. To let me know. Amen. And Miss Denita will look upon him at the house later. Amen. Because I know she loves me. Praise the Lord. Are you willing? He's one of my deacons. One of our newest deacons. We are the newest deacon we've ordained. Brother Lewis is one as well. Are y'all willing? Even if I preach something that makes you mad at me, are you willing to stay? Amen. Or just stay put. Stay in the ship. It'll get better. If it makes you mad, are you willing to do it anyway? Are you willing to, because, are you willing to say, even if what I say makes you mad and you're mad at me because I'm the one that voiced it, are you the ones that, are you willing to say, that's not the preacher's message. That's God. And I don't have a reason to get mad at God. You willing to stay? You willing to obey? You willing to listen? Not for me. But for God, if you will, God will keep you from a deceptive voyage. Yes, sir. God will keep you from a damaging voyage. God will keep you from a dangerous voyage. And God will keep you from a driven voyage. So when you get so messed up and so far out of sin, you're tired of fighting. Trying to pull your way back to the point where you say, I'm done fighting. I take my hands off. And you and your family and the rest of us on this ship are running the risk. Of heading into it, heading in a direction that God ne never intended for us to go. If you'll commit to do that before God this morning, I know God will bless you for.
thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Call up yonder I'll be